Welcome to the Creekside Community Church Podcast. If you don't yet follow Jesus, we want to provide you with a safe place to explore the Christian faith. If you are a Christian, we want to provide you with resources to help you grow in your faith and ultimately serve Jesus more effectively. For more information or to partner with us, visit our website at creekside.cc. Subscribe so that you don't miss any of our messages. We hope this content helps you take your next step with Jesus. So my first vehicle was actually inherited from my grandpa uh, when he died. I actually got it when I was 14. So I didn't start driving as soon as I got it, but I had a 78 Ford Courier. Yes, that was my first vehicle. It was amazing. I loved that little truck. Uh, it honestly, it felt like driving a go-kart. Um, that's what it felt like. And it was great because it was an older vehicle, and so my dad was able to teach me how to repair some things on it, everything. Like, you could reach into the engine area. Like, that's amazing. Uh, and I learned a lot of lessons driving that truck, uh, especially because we lived in the mountains. So I learned a lot of mountain driving. Uh, but one of the things I learned was about <clears throat> fuel and gas and how it works in a car. So this one time specific, I remember it was after... Uh, I was, I was in high school, uh, the classes were over, and then I was going to drive to the gas station to get gas because I was very low on gas and I knew I needed to fill up soon. And so it's kind of this rolly, hilly area, and I'm driving to get gas, and I'm going up one of these little, little hills, not a mountain, but just a little hill, and then this car starts chugging and it starts slowing down, even though my foot's all the way down on the gas. And it slows down from 50 to 40 to 30 to 20, and then I kind of crest the hill, and then I feel the engine rev, and it's okay, and the engine revs, and I'm able to speed back up to 50 miles per hour going down the hill, and then I come up the next little hill, and it starts chugging and slowing down, and this happens three more times, and finally the last hill, I can see the gas station, and it starts chugging, and then starts going, and then I, the gas station is in front of me, and the the issue is that there's a right turn there, and if anyone was coming the other way, I would have to stop. But thankfully, no one was coming the other way because as I'm turning into the gas station, it just turns off, finally. And I pull into the gas, I coast into the gas station, and thankfully, all the things are, are clear. I was able to coast in, fill up with gas, and the lesson was, this is how you should always do gas. I'm joking, of course, right? The lesson is like, you do not want to get that close to an empty tank, right? Something is wrong if you're living this way. Um, now, as we get started, a little bit of honesty. How many of you have ever run out of fuel? Oh, all right. Hey, uh, all right. How many of you think the rest of us are crazy and are ridiculous and you should never even get that close? All right, yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, margin, this is what we're talking about in this series. Margin is the difference between what you have available and what is required. And all of us who drive know you should always have margin when it comes to your fuel tank, right? It's actually not good to do what I did in high school and to just use it all, right? That's the right way. No, right? That's wrong. That's not how you want to live when it comes to your fuel tank. 
And what is true of our fuel tanks and our vehicles is actually true in all of life. It's wise to live with margin. And yet what's so obvious with vehicles, most of us try and deny in other areas of our life. And I think we do so at our peril. Uh, This is what we're uh, talking about in this series, the difference between what is available and what is required and learning to live with a little bit extra, a little bit of margin. And uh, we're going to be talking in this series about how that works with time and keeping room for God. That's today's message. Next week, we're going to talk about our energy and rest and how God invites us to regularly rest and refuel. And then we're going to talk about it with finances in three weeks. So that's the day to skip if you don't want to be here. Uh, I'm just joking. Just joking. Uh, it's going to be good stuff. You'll, you'll want to be there. And I, I'm trying to make this really practical. And all of this is actually rooted in, I, I attended a conference last year, and the person teaching it, they talked about this just basic principle. And I felt at once that it was so simple, but also so powerful. And their basic explanation was simply this, that one margin is healthy. And if you think about, you know, two lines, one line is what you have available. Like you have, you can spend up to this much, or you have this much time, or you have this much fuel. This is full. This is your capacity. Margin is the difference between your capacity and your commitments. It's the breathing room between these two. And again, a healthy life, and I think the life God invites us to, has that room in there. It's unwise to try and live with nothing. And the guiding question I just want you to consider through this series is, isn't it better to get to choose what to do with the extra than to try and frantically run on fumes. Isn't that better? (laughs) That's how I want to live. We want to live with some breathing room. And the problem is not simply our pace of life can feel frantic or we can feel stressed. I mean, that's a symptom. But the bigger problem is that the first thing that tends to go is our relationship with God and our sense of his presence and our ability to listen to his voice. When we get panicky, when things get crazy, that's often the first to go. And so we want to live with margin because we don't want to crowd God out of the picture. So that's what we're talking about today in terms of time and how we prioritize our time. And um, I want this to not simply be convicting for you if you've been living without margin. Uh, I don't want simply, I don't, I don't want you to like feel bad and then leave. Um, my goal is to make this very practical and for you to leave with some tools and some ideas in mind to make some changes. Because I know some of you don't want to live this way, but you are. And some of you moms or dads or grandparents or kids, some of you youth, you're trying to run on nothing. And it isn't working. And it's not a good life. And so we want to show you a better way. So where does this principle of margin come from the Bible? Okay, this is a great principle. Is it biblical? That should be our first question. Uh, and it, it is. Uh, this comes from Mark chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to flip over there. Uh, this is the parable that Jesus told about a sower and seed. All right? Not someone sowing clothes, but sowing seed. I mean, scattering seed and planting them. So Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 1. It'll also be on the screen. If you uh, didn't bring a Bible, uh, just follow along from here. This is Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 1. It says this. And Jesus began to teach by the sea. And a very large crowd gathered around him. And so he got into a boat on the sea and sat down while the whole crowd was by the sea on the shore. This is like Jesus' pulpit and way of teaching to the whole crowds on the shore. He taught them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, 
listen. Consider the sower who went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil, and it grew up quickly since the soil wasn't deep. And when the sun came up, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it didn't produce fruit. Still other seed fell on good ground, and it grew up, producing fruit that increased 30, 60, and 100 times. And then he said, let anyone who has ears to hear listen. In other words, pay attention to what I'm saying. Learn the lesson I'm trying to teach you. And later his disciples came to him and said, uh, Jesus, we don't understand your teaching. And Jesus said, okay, uh, well, if you don't understand it, the crowds are going to have trouble understanding it. So let me explain this parable to you. And so later Jesus explains to his disciples, he says, the sower seeds the word. Some people are like the word sown on the path. When they hear, immediately Satan comes and takes away the word sown in them. And others are like seeds sown on rocky ground. When they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy, but they have no root. They are short-lived. And when distress or persecution comes because of the word, they immediately fall away. Others are like seeds sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. And those like seeds sown on good ground hear the word, welcome it, and produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 times what was sown. Whenever I read the words of this parable that Jesus taught, I always try and question and consider, for me, which type of soil is my heart most like? Because that's what Jesus is challenging us to consider, right? your life and your, your receptivity to God's word, you're like one of these four soils. Which one are you most like? It's good for us to consider. I also want you to consider, if you think about our culture here in America, Elizabeth, the way we tend to live, the temptations we tend to face as people, which of these soils are most of us most in danger of being like? See, as I consider that question, be honest, I don't think that many of us are in risk of being the persecuted soil when persecution comes because of the word. That can happen in America. But Janelle listens like the Voice of the Martyrs podcast, and it's amazing hearing these stories of faith from around the world, Christians who are dying because of their faith. That's not something we have to face on a day-to-day basis. And it's not likely that that's the thing that's gonna drive you away from God's word or or take it away. Sometimes it can be spiritual temptation, like Satan takes away the, the word. But as I look at this parable, I think most of us are in the most risk of the one that gets crowded out by the thorns and the weeds. Jesus said, others are like seeds sown among thorns. These are the ones who hear the word, but the worries of this age. Let's say worries, worries. You worried? Do you have worries? The worries of this age, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. I think 
This is the danger to most of us, given our cultural context. Now, it might not be the danger for you, but for most of us, the danger is other worries, the deceitfulness of wealth, the draw, and the desire for other things are going to crowd in and crowd God out. It reminds me of a quote I've heard, probably you've heard, that if the devil can't make you sinful, he'll make you busy. Thank you. Some of you have heard this. Have you ever heard this before? The devil can't make you sinful, he'll make you busy. I think there's actually, it's not, there's no Bible verse, by the way, that says that. It's just this practical advice I've heard, and I think it's true. Busyness can drive God out of our lives and our focus from him as quick as other things. This is saying is to be the good soil, we have to work hard intentionally to keep things clear. If you think about that, that old analogy of like culture is kind of like the, the rivers of the water and we're all like fish in the stream. And if you just go with the flow of the river and if the river of our culture is extreme busyness, the desires for other things, wealth, if you just go with what's natural and easy, you will tend to end up like this good soil where the, the thorns choke out the seed of the word of God, and it becomes unfruitful. So what does this mean? It means if you want to follow Jesus in this area of life, you're going to have to be weird. Okay? Like, if you're not going to do what everyone else does, people are going to think that's weird and strange. And this is one of those areas where I think it's actually good to be different than the average person. If the average person is being, their life is getting crowded out and God is being crowded out of their life, we don't want to be average, right? We don't want to be normal if that's what normal means. And so here's the point today, that saying yes to God will require saying no to good things. Hear me. Saying yes to God will require, not might, it will require you to say no to good things. Not bad, bad things, although that's true too. But even good things, you will have to say no to to make sure that God is not crowded out of your life. So I want to uh, show you just a little uh, object lesson to make this point. I didn't plan this ahead with my microphone today, so let's see if I can do this without spilling. Give me a moment. All right. I have a pitcher of water here and three glasses. Now, if I was going to do this right, I would have like six or seven glasses because these represent our commitments in life. But for the sake of the points I want to make, we can just get by with three and pretend that this represents your time available, your capacity. And what I like about this illustration is the fact that guess how much time you have every day? 24 hours which is bad for you. I have 36. So I'm sorry. You, no, right? No, we all have the same. We all have the same. We all have the same capacity as far as time spent. And then these represent our commitments and how we spend our time and what we pour ourselves into, okay? And so let's say this represents faith and maybe family and work, okay? We'll keep it simple. If we had more jars, we could do like, you know, friends or hobbies or uh, health or things like that. Um, so, but you know, this is how life works. We, we only have so many hours a day. We're like, okay, well, I want to, um, you know, go to, go to church 
on Sundays and maybe spend some time in my connection group. And I want to have a lot of family time, um, dinner together, and I also work 40 hours a week, right? Okay. <laughs> and, but I don't want to just work, right? We need to go on vacation together as a family. And again, five more jars, I could make this more out. But this is kind of what we do. We plan out, here's how I want to spend my time. Here's how I want to spend my life. I don't want to spend all my time working. I want to spend a lot of time with my family. And I want to spend time with God. Here's how we try and make life work. Now, there are two problems with this normal way of treating our time. Uh, number one, we are terrible planners. And by we, I mean me. Uh, but also, it's been proven that humans in general, we're terrible planners. Just yesterday, this happened to me, and I did not do this on purpose. I was not like, here's a sermon illustration. Uh, just yesterday, I was looking at my to-do list. I had a bunch of things to do, and in fact, I even stopped. I was like, this is a lot. This is probably unrealistic. I probably can't do all these things. I was like, well, how much will each thing take? It's like, well, this thing will probably take 30 minutes. This problem will probably take an hour. This other thing might take an hour if I go really slow. And then I added it all up. It's like, all of these things would only take four hours. I can totally do all these things today. I did two of them. And <laughs> several of them took an hour and a half or two hours in and of themselves. Um, we are terrible planners. This is actually proven. We are very bad at planning things out of how long things will take. The other problem is this. So we're terrible planners, one, and we plan all our hours out. We leave nothing in the picture. We leave no margin. There's nothing extra. And so the problem is, because we're terrible planners and because we leave nothing in here, what inevitably happens? Right, yeah, you're, oh, uh, we forgot your, par your parents are coming over, right? Or your kids are coming over. I'm like, oh, where do I take this from? I guess I'll take a, just a little from here. We can't make it to church this Sunday. And maybe, uh, can I leave work early, right? And we try and do this balancing act where we're actually trying to steal from different things to make life work. And we do this all the time, right? You know, we do this all the time. I was going to do this, but I guess, I guess I can't this week because of this other commitment. Again, now here's the problem. Oftentimes, the first thing to go when we do this is our faith or the time we spend with God. That's just the reality of how most of us live our lives. And so if we just do what's normal, this will almost always be almost totally empty. And so here's my challenge to you. Actually, yeah. First, uh, uh, a point what is a priority? Now, I used to think a priority is where you spend all your time. I don't think that's actually true or fair. If a priority was simply where you spend all your time, then if you have a full-time job, then apparently work's your priority and you don't love your family because you spend 40 hours right, a week at your job. I don't, think, I don't think measuring how much time you spend doing things is a great way to, to think about priorities. I think a better way to think about what is your priority is what glass do you fill first? I have some time. What's the most important thing? What do I have to make sure I do? Or vice versa, 
which glass do you steal from last when you don't have enough time? This is a way to tell what your priorities in life are. Where do you pour first and where do you steal from last? And I actually want, I want you to reflect on this for you, right? For you, where do you tend to pour your time first and where do you tend to steal from last? And if that isn't with your time with God, it's just an invitation to reflect and say, why is that? What's going on in my heart and my life? And so here is the practical application I want to give you. I want to challenge all of us, myself included, to pour here first, our faith with God, our walk with God, to pour here first and to steal from here last. That's my challenge to you. Now, some of you, I don't know what this looks like on a practical level as far as how you're going to make that happen. Because if you're honest with yourself, like this is like taking everything. It's just a busy season in work right now and it's really hard. Or it could be that that's with you and family. And it's difficult. And I'm not saying this is easy, but I am saying if you want to say yes to God, it will require you to say no to some good things. So I want to give you something to say yes to, a way to do this, and then some ways to say no to some other things. I want to invite you, if this is not something you currently practice, I want to invite you to pour here first, to put God time on your calendar every single day. And I want to encourage you to start small. This sounds ridiculous because we're talking about the creator of the universe who loves you so much. He gave his son for you. But if you've never done this before, this is difficult. Start with five minutes. But actually put it on your calendar. Put it on your phone. Write it on your calendar. Tomorrow, 6 a.m., I'm going to wake up and spend five minutes with God. Now, many of you are already doing this. We were just talking in Janelle's Connection Group. I heard people talking about the ways they do this. This can look a lot of different ways, reading scripture and praying, and that's great. I want to challenge you to include five minutes of unproductive time with God, okay? where you're not trying to accomplish your quiet time to-do list. You're just sitting with him. Right? You're not trying to get through the Bible. You're just sitting in his presence trying to listen and be receptive and open and be with him. Just start with five minutes. Uh, Many of you can already do this. Um, I love my morning quiet times with the Lord. I have to set aside time because if I don't, then later the kids get up. So for me, this looks like getting up at 6 a.m. before the kids get up at 7 and setting aside a good portion of that time to just reading scripture, praying, and journaling. But then, again, that, that being still before the Lord. And it's so good. And for me, this is like part of the idea of, if you've read the Old Testament, their sacrifices, they talk about this first fruits idea of you bring the first fruits to the Lord. For me, I love doing this in the morning because it's like the first part of my day I'm offering to God. Like, God, this, this time is yours. You come first today. Now, it doesn't have to be in the morning. I'm a morning person. Like, Janelle is not. If you're not, don't try and do it in the morning. Um, but, but set aside a time. Put it on your calendar. Put it in your phone. 
Saying yes to God will require saying no to good things like maybe even sleeping in. (laughs) So that's the yes we want to say. We want to say yes to time with God. Uh, There are some no's that you're going to have to say, and I want to help you with saying that. Uh, First of all, just honestly, this is one of those things that's really difficult for me. And I want to debunk for you the more myth because this is something that I'm working on telling the truth about to myself and preaching to myself. Uh, first, a story. Uh, we're trying to organize our home, which is a great goal. And I was starting to make some progress on different areas of our house. And then this last week, I was like, I'm going to work on me and Janelle's storage space. So we have a weird house. It's been added on to a bunch of times throughout the years. We don't have a garage. So we don't get that storage space that all of you with garages have. Very jealous of your garages and all the storage you have there. But we don't have that. So what we do have is right next to me and Janelle's bed, actually, we have this attic storage space. And it's been a big mess for the last year, six months, something. I don't know. It's been a big mess. There's all kinds of stuff. Like, you can hardly walk into there. Um, And so I was like, I'm going to tackle this room. And when I went up there, this was my mindset. All of this stuff will fit if I just organize it. And I started sorting through the stuff. I was like, yeah, I'm going to get organized. (laughs) And pretty soon it became very clear, all this stuff will not fit in this room. (laughs) Like there's, there's just too much stuff, right? But I, I think that's what I and people maybe like you can do with our schedule, right? No, I can fit it all if I just organize it. No, sorry. At a certain point, you can't do more. Maybe you can do a few things a little faster, but efficiency only gets you so far. And the other myth related to this is that we think more is better it's not true when it comes to living without margin, right? Oh, but this is a good opportunity. Sports are great for kids. Sign them up. More is not always better. More activity does not lead to a fuller life. Saying yes to God will require saying no to some good things. And final challenge and encouragement is to learn to say no. This is something, again, I'm working on, not very good at, trying to grow in. And it's because I feel bad. Someone invites me to do something or take part in something, I want to say yes. I don't want to hurt their feelings. Anyone else relate? I know some of you are like, just say no. What's the big deal? It's like, I I, I don't want to hurt their feelings. I kind of have this weird thing inside of me. And so I'm trying to learn how to say no. And so here's what I try and say something like this, and maybe this will be helpful for you if you have trouble saying no. That sounds great. Because of my previous commitments, I can't do that at this time. Thank you for the invitation. You want practice? <laughs> oh, right. That sounds great. Because of my other commitments, I can't do that. Thank you for the invitation. 
And again, this is so important for us to get. This is not, we're not talking about evil things. We're not talking about bad things. We're talking about good things. Saying yes to God, putting him first, and stealing from time with him last will require saying no to good things. This is what it means to live with margin. Here's a story that happened in Jesus' ministry. This is Luke chapter 10. We looked at these verses this last year as we worked our way through the gospel of Luke. It says this, it says, while they were traveling, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who also sat at the Lord's feet and was listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. And she came up and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? So tell her to give me a hand. The Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has made the right choice, and it will not be taken away from her. Maybe what you needed to hear today is Luke, Luke, Jake, Jake, Ben, Ben. You are worried about many things, but one thing is necessary. See, Mary was, uh, sorry, Martha was so focused on doing things for Jesus that she missed out on this opportunity to be with Jesus. And what's interesting as I read the story and was reflecting on it is that if we're honest with ourselves, like this isn't our problem most of the time. Like most of us are not so busy doing ministry things that we're missing out on time with Jesus. Many of us are just busy doing other good things, hobbies or, or, or work. But she was so busy doing things for Jesus that she missed out on time with Jesus. The other thing that struck me is that this can happen in other relationships too, not just your relationship with God. Like it's become this cliche thing where in almost every movie, right, there's a parent who's a workaholic. And they're like, no, I just have to keep working. I have to work hard for my kids. I have to get money for my kids. And the kids are like, we just want you. This dynamic can actually happen in other relationships too, where we're so busy doing things for someone that we're missing out on being with them. See, when we live at a frantic pace, what happens? The blood pressure rises, your brain starts to freak out. And the big problem is not just that you're missing out on peace, but you can miss out on Jesus. Because the truth is, if you've chosen to follow Jesus with your life, then the Holy Spirit is in you. And God wants to be with you every moment of every day. And when we live at a crazy, frenetic pace, we stop listening to his voice. We don't appreciate the moments. But he wants to be with us in the highs and the lows. Wouldn't you rather choose what to do with a bit, a little bit of leftover 
than try and live life on fumes, okay? Let's not live like this anymore. Let me pray for us, and then we're gonna respond in song today. And if you'd like prayer for something specific, um, we'll have a prayer team in our prayer and counseling room uh, in the back corner, sorry, in the back corner of our sanctuary today. But uh, would you join me in prayer? Jesus, this is one of those things that's easy to talk about in a theoretical way. And probably easy for many of us to see the ways that we're getting this wrong, but it can be really difficult to start living differently. Our culture, our life, our to-do lists, our friendships and the invitations we get all are pressuring us to live with nothing left in the tank. God, would you give us both the wisdom and the courage we need to see what needs to be cut out of our own lives, what good things that we might need to say no to, even starting today and this week, so that we can say yes to putting you first. Would you help us to look to you for strength to make those decisions and give us the courage needed to say those no's? And God, for some of us, this, we just need that fresh start this year and to start living a little differently. Would you make that happen, Holy Spirit? Would you, God, make that happen for us? Thank you so much for your love for us and for this opportunity to worship you together and surrender to you together. We ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.